Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. We were just like, what type of sicko would just take a child and steal her? Like, oh, someone in a wheelchair. Like, what kind of sick fantasy do you get out of this? Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting here with Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. Alexis is wearing some First Degree merch that has been discontinued. Our Stranger Things parody. We might have to bring it back. This is like my favorite sweatshirt. I, I know. Wear it, I wear it like once a week. It's pretty good if I do say so myself. You know? Yeah, because no one really knows what they're looking at. It's just a cool sweatshirt. That's right. I know. I'm working on some first degree merch. It's just been a slow roll, but I can't wait. We'll get some out for everybody. We're gonna do a cosmic shuffling of the deck. Yes. Everybody's asking for yes. it. Yes. Can't wait to see what that one looks like. I'm excited for that. I'll do some fun like cosmic illustration or Ooh, something. Or cards. Cards in the hands. Ooh, like we should do cards with like the kings and the queens, and then it's our faces. Yes. No, I no, I'm not that I know artistic. It's too intricate, but I'm <laughs> saying would that be fun? I'm sure somebody could draw that. I can't do hyper realistic drawings <laughs> that are gonna go on a t shirt. Whoever but. it is, you have to make Billy the jester. Yeah, so I can, I'll be fine being the Joker. Not the, the Joker, jester. yes. yes. Mm. Mm, I can't wait for that. Billy, what day is it today? Well, today is February 16th, and it is Do a Grouch a Favor Day. Ooh. And this actually is the very first one that shows up on the uh, on the website, so there's there's not many. So just like the grouch <laughs> in your life, you just got to do something nice to the Exa- little... Exactly. Curmudgeon. Yes. Mm, I like that. Are there yeah. any other good days? Not really, no. There's, there's there's really not much going on. Uh, the National Almond Day. Almonds are cool. Mm, no, not for me. Make my mouth itchy. Uh, Tim Tam Day, which is a uh, oh Tim Tams. Yeah. Oh, Tim Tams. What is a Tim Tam? It's an Australian uh, little cookie, like a chocolate cookie sandwich kind of a Ooh, thing. Okay, yeah. I can get down. They are yeah. delicious. Consists of two malted chocolate biscuits, chocolate cream, and a chocolate coating. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want a Tim Tam right now. There you go. Got to get over Australia. All right. Well, that is enough of that. So let's turn on the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you.
all know the plot of the Rapunzel fairy tale, a young girl of exquisite beauty who's been imprisoned from birth by a cruel witch in a tower, and her only connection to the outside world is her long hair, which she flings out of her window at the beckon of a suitor who wants to rescue her. The roles in Rapunzel are very clearly defined. Rapunzel is the victim, the witch is the villain, and the handsome suitor is the savior who saves Rapunzel from a life of isolation and despair. While today's story parallels the plot of Rapunzel in several ways, there's one stark difference. The lines between victim and villain are nearly impossible to determine. Today's story isn't a fairy tale at all, but a tragedy of epic proportions. We begin today's case on June 14th of 2015. See You Again by Wiz Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth was in its seventh week and number one on the music charts. I don't even know what that song is, but Me whatever. either. I've never heard of it. No, I'm sure I do. But Who's I, Charlie yeah. Puth? Charlie Puth is that like, <laughs> he's that, he's like the singer songwriter that is has a little like Nick in his eyebrow. He's kind of cute. Oh, funny. You would I know, know the Nick. I know the Nick in the <laughs> eyebrow, but... <laughs> Not as music. It's going to be embarrassing because I'm sure this song is like massive, obviously. Um, movies that were in theaters were Jurassic World, Mad Max, Fury Road, and Avengers Age of Ultron. The setting for today's case is Springfield, Missouri, located in the Ozarks with a population of around 165,000. Springfield is the third largest city in the state. There's three colleges there, Missouri State University, Drury University, and Evangel University. It's also the birthplace of historic Route 66, and you can still find traces of the Mother Road in the downtown area. And now we're going to introduce you to our first degree for today's case, and her name is Caitlin. She grew up all over Missouri, and in June of 2015, she was a 20-year-old college student who was studying criminology. I went to the college of Missouri State University, and that was in Springfield, Missouri. So I would say my first semester, I just focused on college. My second semester, I put in an application for Party City. They called me up because I said my start date could be like the beginning of the, my sophomore school year. Caitlin loved her job at Party City. It was this really fun gig for a college-age gal to have. And she became really good friends with all of her coworkers. And they even had a Facebook group called Party City Fam. And it didn't take long for Caitlin to meet the store's most regular customers. A little girl who was in a wheelchair who suffered from several medical conditions and the woman who always accompanied her, her mom. Caitlin would eventually learn their names. The little girl was named Gypsy Blanchard, and her mother was Dee Dee. Caitlin recalls meeting Gypsy for the first time. When I met her, I mean, she was so frail and skinny. She had blankets on her. And she would come to Party City, like, wearing not, like, a sweatshirt and sweatpants. Wearing, like, costumes, like Cinderella costumes, Ariel costumes. And she was so small that she could fit in the children's sizes. When she would come in, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, you look so pretty today. And she'd be like, thank you, like, this is my costume. And, and then if she would go get a costume, because she would get an allowance, and she always wanted to go to, like, Party City to get the wigs. It also didn't take long for Caitlin to learn a lot more than just the names of this quirky mother-daughter duo. Dee Dee was chatty, to say the least. And she wasn't shy in sharing details of their past with anyone who would listen. 
I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't really need to know. But then I tried not to think like that because I would be like, wait, why are you calling me like this? Then I thought, this mom probably is spending all of her time on this girl who's sick. And here I am, like, thinking, why are you telling me this? Dee Dee told Caitlin that they were from Louisiana and that they lost everything in Hurricane Katrina and also about Gypsy's full medical history. It was a lot of information. It was a harrowing tale that tugged at Caitlin's heartstrings. And just like all of her coworkers, Caitlin ended up befriending Gypsy and Dee Dee in real life and on Facebook. Gypsy would say, hey, can I add you to my Facebook. And we all, like, we're, you know, we're thinking that she's a poor girl. We're like, yeah, add us. Here it is. And her mom would add us, too. For months, Caitlin saw Dee Dee and Gypsy at least twice a week when they would come to the store to buy costumes and wigs. And on these shopping trips, Dee Dee would update Caitlin on what was going on with Gypsy. If she had any procedures coming up, the events that they were going to, you know, that kind of stuff. She also updated the staff on Facebook so they always knew what Gypsy was up to. Everyone at the store was fond of this wholesome duo and were always happy to hear from them. But the perspective on Gypsy and Dee Dee would shift dramatically after a status update coming from Dee Dee's account appeared on Facebook. So we were all at work. One of my coworkers comes up to me and he's like, oh my gosh, look at Facebook. And we're doing the closing. So I'm just like, I don't have, I don't have time for Facebook. He's like, no, look showed me the post that said, like, that bitch is dead. For the words, that bitch is dead, to appear in a status update, that's disturbing to say the least, and definitely chilling. But surely there had to be some explanation for this, right? Maybe this was a prank, or Facebook accounts get hacked all the time, so maybe it was a hack. That's where Caitlin's mind went. When she and her co-workers began reading the comments... It was a little different because comments were from friends expressing concern over this alarming post. And Dee Dee's account made additional comments as well. One of them read, I fucking slashed that fat pig. So there's more shock and confusion. Caitlin and her coworkers were starting to freak out. Was this a sick joke? What was going on? To answer these questions, you know the drill. We got to go back. Let's dig into the shared history of Dee Dee and Gypsy Blanchard. In late 1990, 24-year-old Claudinia Dee Dee Petri found out she was pregnant by her 17-year-old boyfriend, Rod Blanchard. That's a significant age difference, and it's not really a good look, and I feel like if the man were older, we would have called this out. But either way, this didn't stop her from marrying her teenage boyfriend. But the marriage wouldn't last long. They were separated less than nine months later by the time Dee Dee had given birth to a healthy little girl they named Gypsy Rose. After she was born, everything seemed fine with Gypsy, great even. That was, until she started having trouble sleeping at around three months old. So after a trip to the hospital, Dee Dee told the now ex-husband Rod that Gypsy had sleep apnea, this three-month-old, needed to use a breathing machine at night to help fix this. But apparently, the machine didn't fully help Gypsy, and Dee Dee knew there was something else going on with her baby, medically, and she was determined to find some answers. After a few more doctor's visits, Dee Dee learned that Gypsy had 
a chromosomal disorder that caused many chronic illnesses. And if that sounds like a vague diagnosis, it was. And evidently, there was a reason for that. By the time she was five years old, Gypsy was no longer walking at all. When asked, Dee Dee explained that Gypsy had muscular dystrophy and had to be confined to a wheelchair. As time went on, Gypsy's medical issues seemed to worsen. Two years later, Gypsy had so many medical appointments and procedures that she could no longer keep up with her classmates. So Dee Dee pulled her from class and started homeschooling her. Dee Dee didn't have time to work because caring for Gypsy and shuttling the little girl to all of her medical appointments was really a full-time job. So Dee Dee relied on government assistance. She and Gypsy lived in public housing in Slidell, Louisiana, and survived off social security, disability, food assistance, and more. Gypsy couldn't be active like the other kids her age, and because she was homeschooled, she didn't have many friends. As a result, the mother and daughter spent all their time watching Disney movies, which is where Gypsy's love for wigs, costumes, and cosplay was born. Dee Dee took Gypsy to all these sci-fi and comic conventions where Gypsy loved to dress up and wear princess costumes. They let her blend into the crowd, and this was something that she often found that was hard to do in her big electric wheelchair. In August of 2005, Hurricane Katrina struck Louisiana. The town of Slidell was severely impacted, and Gypsy and Dee Dee were left homeless. A month later, they relocated 700 miles away to Springfield, Missouri. At this point, the now 14-year-old Gypsy was under 5 feet tall and weighed less than 100 pounds. She had lost all of her hair, and Dee Dee explained to those who asked that her hair loss was due to leukemia. Gypsy ate through a feeding tube, and most of her teeth were rotted or missing due to the countless medications she had to take. Gypsy had also been diagnosed with an intellectual disability. She had the mind of a seven-year-old and a very high-pitched, childlike voice. And like we said earlier, Dee Dee was chatty and didn't ever shy away from sharing the circumstances of the life she shared with Gypsy. People in the community got to know them, and in Springfield, local news outlets actually started reporting on their story of loss, their story of surviving Hurricane Katrina, and of Dee Dee caring for Gypsy at all costs. The public fell in love with the Blanchards, and the community rallied around them to get them everything they needed. There were fundraisers held to raise money for them, and Habitat for Humanity even built Gypsy and Dee Dee a house with a wheelchair ramp, special jacuzzi, and more. The Blanchards became local celebrities. Everyone felt compassion for Dee Dee and Gypsy. They were not only sweet and endearing, but they were an inspiration to others. Their story was one of survival and of persistence, and it instilled a sense of hope in others. While Gypsy and Dee Dee were receiving a lot of attention, Dee Dee noticed that Gypsy's muscular dystrophy seemed to be worsening. In 2007, neurologist Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein was brought on to consult the case. During their first appointment, Dee Dee explained that Gypsy's medical records were lost in Katrina, but not to worry. She knew everything and could provide the doctor with Gypsy's full medical history, which is very convenient. After Dee Dee went over everything, Dr. Flasterstein ran some tests, he did blood work, MRIs, etc., and then he met with Dee Dee and Gypsy to share the results. And he told Dee Dee that every test result came back normal. Gypsy didn't have muscular dystrophy, and he had no idea why she wasn't walking. 
So Dee Dee scoffed at the doctor. She got really angry with him. She left the office in a huff, telling the nurses that the doctor didn't know what he was talking about. Dee Dee then made a request for Dr. Flasterstein's records from that appointment. It turns out he'd written explicitly about Dee Dee in his notes. He said it was quite possible that Dee Dee was suffering from Munchausen by proxy, a rare and cruel form of abuse where someone in a caregiver role exaggerates, completely fabricates, or takes action to cause symptoms of a sickness in a child. Dee Dee was outraged by what she saw, not because the doctor had offended her with his accusations, but because he was right. Outwardly, Dee Dee and Gypsy looked like a loving mother-daughter pair, but the truth was much more sinister. There was actually nothing medically wrong with Gypsy. Gypsy's diagnoses were a culmination of complete fabrication in Dee Dee manipulating less keen doctors, and Dr. Flasterstein caught on. The question is, was he the first doctor to do so? Or did Dee Dee's move from Louisiana to Missouri have less to do with displacement from Hurricane Katrina and more to do with dodging suspicious doctors who were asking pointed questions? For the record, that's what people suffering from Munchausen by proxy do. They go from one doctor to the next, one after another, making as many attempts to get the victim diagnosed with as many debilitating ailments as possible. And while most people with Munchausen by proxy are simply seeking sympathy and emotional gratification, Dee Dee was on a whole other level. She wanted more. She wanted payouts. She used her child's made-up illnesses to receive donations, free trips to Disney, backseas passes to concerts, and more. For Dee Dee, this was more than a disorder. It was an extremely long and effective con. Plus, she was poisoning her daughter and ripping her childhood away one day after the next, confining her to a wheelchair she didn't need and wreaking havoc on Gypsy's body, hindering her education, conducting procedures and surgery she didn't need, literally crippling her physically, mentally, in every way, shape, or form. And Dee Dee went to great lengths to keep this con going. If she wanted Gypsy to be diagnosed with a specific illness, she lied to doctors about the symptoms that Gypsy was experiencing. Or she did research and gave Gypsy a specific medication that caused these side effects that resembled the desired symptoms. It's insane. And Dee Dee wouldn't stick with the doctor for very long. She often shopped around until she found one that she could manipulate. Doctors that she could coerce into prescribing medication, or worse, doctors that she could convince to perform medical procedures that Gypsy didn't even need. So for example, at one point, Dee Dee decided that she wanted to remove Gypsy's salivary glands. So she took Gypsy to a surgeon and said that she drooled too much. The surgeon looked at Gypsy and saw that she did have an excess amount of drool and agreed to do the surgery. But the thing was, the surgeon had no idea that Dee Dee numbed Gypsy's gums before their appointment so that she would drool more than a normal person would. Dee Dee took Gypsy to more than 150 doctors and was able to manipulate doctors into performing more than 30 procedures. Dee Dee constantly worked to keep Gypsy looking as sickly as possible. One way to achieve this look was to shave Gypsy's head to make it seem like she was going through chemo treatments for leukemia. When Gypsy noticed that she could actually grow her hair, Dee Dee said her prescriptions caused hair loss, so they should just shave it to keep it neat. She also put Gypsy in big eyeglasses, which made her head look small. 
Didi also wanted Gypsy to look and seem as young as possible to support her claim that Gypsy had an intellectual disability. Gypsy wore little girls' clothes. She worshipped Disney princesses, and she played with dolls. She lied to everyone about Gypsy's age, and even forged a birth certificate to say that she was born in 1995 instead of 1991, which is really when she was born. And Dee Dee was able to convince even Gypsy that she had all of these illnesses by constantly gaslighting her. When Dee Dee decided Gypsy had muscular dystrophy, she told her that even though Gypsy could feel and move her legs, she was still paralyzed and couldn't walk. She told Gypsy that even though it seemed like she could digest normal food, she really couldn't. She needed that feeding tube. And if Gypsy forgot what her mom told her and started walking or eating normally, Dee Dee would beat her with a coat hanger or starve her. She didn't want Gypsy to blow their cover, even if it was in the comfort of their own home. And when they were out in public, which was a lot, Dee Dee always kept a hand on Gypsy. If Gypsy did anything that didn't go along with their con, Dee Dee would give Gypsy a squeeze on her shoulder. Our first degree, Caitlin, actually witnessed this controlling technique firsthand. Caitlin and her coworkers would sometimes have to work together to lift Gypsy's wheelchair to help her maneuver these aisles. And she noticed something Dee Dee would do at the very same time. When we moved the wheelchair, her mom would be on the side of her. So just picture, when we're trying to maneuver her to where she could go fit in these small little aisles to look at wigs, her mom would hold onto her shoulder and maneuver while we were maneuvering her wheelchair. Like, she would not let go of her. Like, normally, a normal person would, like, move out of the way and be like, oh, thank you guys so much. Like, she would not move her hand away from her shoulder. For years, Dee Dee was able to keep her con going by gaslighting and manipulating Gypsy into believing that mother knows best. Remember, it's literally all that Gypsy knew. Dee Dee didn't let anyone close enough to either of them because she didn't want anyone finding out about her massive con. She had to be sick to fund their lifestyle in the way of donations and freebies. However, in 2010, Dee Dee would make one of the first significant slip-ups that would eventually result in this house of cards crashing down around her. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, 
that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Dee Dee Blanchard suffered from Munchausen by proxy and had managed to convince everyone that her daughter Gypsy had numerous disabilities, including muscular dystrophy, leukemia, and developmental disorders. But Gypsy wasn't a little kid anymore. And deep down, she knew she could walk and she could eat solid food. And she started questioning things as she came to the realization that her entire life was most likely a lie. She began to feel trapped, just like Rapunzel did in her favorite Disney movie, Tangled. Gypsy started rebelling hard against Dee Dee. When they went to sci-fi or comic conventions, Gypsy would sneak away from her mom and make male friends. At home, after Dee Dee went to sleep... Gypsy would get on the internet and meet new guys, or chat with the men she met at conventions. And honestly, this is like normal 19-year-old behavior. Like, so this isn't odd at all. But what is interesting is that she figured out how old she was, and then she started acting accordingly. And Dee Dee's like freaking out because she's losing control of her cash cow, essentially. And like we said, she's 19, and Gypsy starts exploring her sexuality, and she puts new use to some of those costumes and wigs she'd acquired from Party City over the years. Many of them, these costumes came from Caitlin, our first degree. Gypsy took sexy photos, and she swapped pictures with men, and she started to transform into the person she actually was. And this is where the Rapunzel parallel comes into play, and I don't know, maybe kind of out there, but... Gypsy was insecure about having her head shaved, so these wigs helped her come to life in a way and transform into somebody else and have the confidence to talk to guys online. She felt beautiful. In a poetic way, Gypsy kind of was like a modern-day Rapunzel, throwing her hair out for suitors to catch. In this case, it's wigs. Gypsy felt free on the internet. Her mom wasn't there following her every move with a hand placed tightly on her shoulder. Gypsy could be herself. But the more time that she spent online, the more Gypsy felt trapped in her real life. Then, in February of 2011, Gypsy tried to escape her mom's tight grip by running away from home and hitchhiking to Arkansas. And this is a bold move. 
So what was her reason for going to Arkansas? She wanted to meet up with a 35-year-old guy that she'd met at a convention. But within hours of Gypsy's great escape, Dee Dee had tracked her down, and she was in a hotel room with this guy that she had met. Dee Dee stormed into the room with paperwork to prove that Gypsy was only 15 years old, which we all know she wasn't. She was 19. And then she dragged Gypsy home. Once they were back in Springfield, Dee Dee locked Gypsy's life down even more than she had before. She needed to instill this fear in Gypsy so she'd never even consider pulling another stunt like that again. Dee Dee smashed Gypsy's phone and computer and chained her to the bed for two weeks, which is so fucked up. Yeah, criminal. Like, that is some deranged, deranged stuff. She's not a child either. I mean, you shouldn't do that to children, but, like, she's 19. Yeah, that is an adult. Yeah. Time passed and the incident blew over. Eventually, Dee Dee needed a computer, and she bought a replacement for the house. But you can't stop a teenager for long. So without fail, Gypsy continued using it to talk to guys online at night after Dee Dee went to sleep. Gypsy was getting more and more resentful of the constraints and physical pain inflicted on her by her mom and was more motivated to start dating than ever. She joined a Christian dating site in October of 2012, started swapping messages with a guy named Nick Godajan, a 23-year-old guy living with his parents in Big Bend, Wisconsin. Gypsy said she was looking for love. Nick replied, and they built from there. Gypsy didn't waste any time telling Nick about her life. Curiously, she didn't tell him the truth. She said, I need to tell you something. I'm no model. I have a medical condition, so I can't walk. I have a chair I use. Is that an issue? Nick responded, why would that be a problem? You are an angel in my eyes. It will never make any difference in how I see you from the inside out. So why don't you guys think she told him the truth at that point? I mean... There could be multiple reasons. I mean, one, maybe she thought that her mom was like spying on her computer. I don't know. I mean, I guess she would be in trouble for just talking to him in general. But like, I don't know if her mom has such a tight grip on her. Like, why would you think anything is safe at that point? See, I theorize that like in her head at that point, she's still like, I'm never getting away from my mom. This is my life. And yeah, with my mom, I can't walk. So Mm -hmm. I think she's still like no part of her actually thinks she's going to escape her mom's grip. Yeah, because one time she tried, it lasted for like one second. Or she's testing him. I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, I mean, this is her reality, even if it's a fake reality. At the bottom line is, this is what she has to live with every day. So she just came out and said that. Yeah. So who exactly is this Nick Godajan guy? And what is his story? What do we know about him? Well, we're about to tell you. Starting with him as a kid... He was reportedly diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. And throughout his entire life, Nick struggled to communicate with others. He had a difficult time making friends, and he often felt isolated. Some described him as a loner. Just like Gypsy, Nick had found a sense of belonging and freedom online, something he didn't feel in real life. So within four days of meeting each other, Gypsy and Nick were in this full-on relationship. Gypsy later told HBO in an interview that her relationship with Nick started out as lighthearted, but as it progressed, things got weird, in quotes. So Nick introduced Gypsy to BDSM, and she started posting statuses like, I live and breathe to serve my master on her secret social media profiles. She also started sending Nick suggestive photos of her wearing sexy costumes and wigs. So enter our first degree, Caitlin. We asked her if she recalls Gypsy buying stuff from the sexy aisle. 
she always wanted to try those on, but her mom wanted her to try on like Cinderella, Ariel. You could tell there was kind of a pool until her mom would talk her into going towards the wig that made her look like a child. They would kind of argue. You know that mom tone where you where your mom kind of clenches her teeth and looks at you and, like, mumbles under her breath. Like, that's how Dee Dee talked to her all the time. And she would kind of be like, oh, no, honey, like, you don't want that. Like, you could tell. And I would be like, okay, this is this is awkward. They're arguing. And then Gypsy voice is, like, an, such a high pitch to where she'd be like, you know, okay, mom, like, okay, mommy. It's unclear where Gypsy was able to obtain these costumes and wigs, but it's probably safe to assume she secretly ordered them online. Gypsy and Nick continued to engage in this long-distance relationship, and slowly she began to trust Nick. After dating for at least a year, she finally came clean to Nick and told him all about the abuse she suffered at the hands of her mother, Dee Dee. At first, Nick and Gypsy joked about what it would be like to run away together and live their own true fairy tale. Nick was the Prince Charming who could kill the evil witch Dee Dee and free the princess Gypsy from her tower. Then they would ride off on a horse into the sunset and never turn back. And this is not me drawing parallels. These are messages and narratives they crafted in their online relationship. These talks were all fantasy, That was until the spring of 2015, when Gypsy begged Dee Dee to cancel an upcoming procedure and let her get her feeding tube removed. But Dee Dee became enraged at this suggestion, and Gypsy felt more trapped than ever. You have to understand, this girl can't eat through her mouth when she's fine. And when you have a feeding tube, you have like a permanent, like, protrusion. You know what I mean? It's an invasive thing to need. And it's just, I can understand, especially if she's getting in touch with her sexuality, not wanting to have it if you don't need it. Yeah. So Dee Dee, of course, said, hell no. And Gypsy's saying, oh my gosh, I can't take this anymore. And she really didn't want to endure another unneeded surgery. So it's at this point that Gypsy realized that she'd never escape her mom's clutches unless she and Nick made their fairy tale a reality. Gypsy reached out to Nick and asked him if he would really kill Dee Dee. He said yes. He loved Gypsy and would do anything to protect her. So they come up with a plan. On June 10th, 2015, Nick took a bus from Wisconsin to Springfield. He rented a motel room, and once Dee Dee went to sleep, Gypsy texted him to let him know that it was go time. Nick took a taxi to Gypsy's and went inside, where she handed him a kill kit, and this consisted of gloves, duct tape, and a knife. Gypsy went into the bathroom and covered her ears as Nick snuck into Dee Dee's bedroom. Gypsy listened as Dee Dee screamed, help me, and called out Gypsy's name a few times. But she couldn't move, and she was frozen. When Nick was done, he and Gypsy stole around $4,000 in cash from Dee Dee's safe. Then they took a cab to Nick's motel. They spent the next few days enjoying their time together. At one point, they mailed the murder weapon back to Nick's home, then hopped on a bus to Big Bend, Wisconsin. There they acted completely normal. They thought they'd gotten away with murder and were ecstatic to begin their new lives together. It's obvious that at this point, the magnitude of the decision to murder Dee Dee had not yet dawned on Gypsy. 
Right. But the sadness did eventually start to creep in. Gypsy started reflecting and worrying that it would be months before someone found her mom's body. And that didn't sit right with her. So on June 14th, she asked Nick if she could post something on the Facebook account that she shared with Dee Dee. And after a lot of begging, Nick agreed, and they posted the infamous That Bitch Is Dead status. The same one that Caitlin, with her co-workers at Party City, read in the back room during their shift. Then under that status, when concerned friends and family speculated in the comments about their account being hacked, Gypsy added the comment, quote, I fucking slashed that pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud, LOL, closed quote. Gypsy's plan worked. The comment caught the attention of some family friends who went to see Dee. They knocked on the door, and when they didn't get an answer, somebody climbed through the open window. Inside, they noticed that everything appeared normal, except Gypsy's wheelchair was still in the house, with no Gypsy. This is worrisome, because no one had ever seen Gypsy without her chair, and no one knew she could walk at all. When police officers ultimately checked inside, they realized everything was far from normal inside the Blanchard house. 48-year-old Dee Dee was found face down in her bed, dead from 17 stab wounds in her back, and Gypsy was nowhere to be found. Police feared the worst and reached out to the public for help. When Springfield residents, including our first degree Caitlin, heard the news that their beloved Gypsy was possibly missing, they were horrified. We were just like, what type of sicko would just take a child and steal her? Like, oh, someone in a wheelchair, like, kind of sick fantasy do you get out of this? Wanting to help, Caitlin sprang to action and made flyers. She and her co-workers handed them out wherever and whenever they could. The next day, like... I went to school, I printed out flyers and like posted it, like went around campus and was like handing it out. And then I brought some back to Party City and I like taped them all over, like on our register. When somebody would come in, we would talk about it and be like, hey, take a flyer. When Dee was announced like deceased, we went to a candlelight vigil. We were all holding this candle and we were like, people were crying. We were handing out flyers. We had signs and we were like, please help us bring Gypsy home. Meanwhile, investigators were speaking to Dee Dee and Gypsy's friends and family, hoping to find some answers. They caught a major break when a neighbor said Gypsy had confided in her about a secret online boyfriend named Nick. So a little more about this neighbor. This girl, who was a few years older than Gypsy, had become one of Gypsy's only friends. And it was because this girl lived next door that Gypsy was even able to get close enough in proximity to make a friend enough to confide in. And at this point, Gypsy and Nick had dated online for more than a year, and Gypsy shared this information about him. Suspecting this boyfriend's involvement, investigators decided to trace the That Bitch Is Dead Facebook post and see where the IP address would lead them. And sure enough, the post was made from the home of a Nick Godijan. So the next day, authorities raided the house, and wouldn't you know it, they found Gypsy and Nick inside. Police, thinking they were looking for a young teen who couldn't walk, were floored to see Gypsy walking around the house without any assistance. It was at this moment that authorities realized this case was nothing like it seemed. Both Nick and Gypsy were arrested, extradited back to Missouri, and charged with the first-degree murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. Caitlin and her Party City family heard that Gypsy had been found unharmed, and they were relieved. When a co-worker saw that the Springfield police were about to hold a conference, they all huddled in the back of the store and turned on the news. But what they saw and heard was the last thing that they expected. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. On June 15, 2014, authorities found 26-year-old Nick Godijohn and the now 23-year-old Gypsy Blanchard in Wisconsin. Nick and Gypsy's arraignment was televised on the news, and those who knew Gypsy were floored by what they saw. Yes, because of the very nature and severity of the charges themselves, but also something else. Gypsy moved across the courtroom to stand in front of the judge by walking, on her two legs, completely unassisted. We were all like, Oh my God, like she can walk. We thought this whole time, like she was wheeled around and she could not walk. Cause that, like her mom mentioned it every 10 seconds, like she can't walk. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And the first feeling that I had, like emotion that I had, I was pissed. I was like, what type of girl would do this? Like, why would you do that? Like to yourself or like, why would you do this and like make everyone think, you know, that you're this poor, innocent girl and, you know, like, what type of scam is this? Many Springfield residents had similar frustrations and questions. Sadness about Dee Dee's death turned into confusion and then anger. And when people learned Gypsy's real age, that anger was focused on her, too. What kind of con had these two been running? But slowly, as more information became available, people started to understand the implications of the Munchausen-by-proxy prison Gypsy had been confined to for her entire life. Dee Dee had forced Gypsy to play a part in the scam, so the attitude towards her started to evolve. Many now understood that Gypsy was a victim of child abuse. She'd been backed into a corner and perhaps saw murder as her only way out. But the case was polarizing, and there were residents who refused to believe Gypsy wasn't in on all of this. After all, she had the capability and wherewithal to murder her own mother, so it wasn't that far-fetched to believe that Gypsy was a willing participant. Our first-degree Caitlin heard all the rumors and opinions about Gypsy's involvement, but being a criminology student herself, she wanted to read all the coverage and come up with her own opinion. One article she read was about Gypsy's dad, Rod, and how he and his wife Christy had no idea that Gypsy wasn't disabled. They were questioning everything that they knew about Gypsy in her childhood. The article detailed how Rod had paid child support every month since Gypsy was born, even after she turned 18. He sent gifts and money on top of his monthly payment, and he often made plans to see her. But Dee Dee would always end up making some kind of an excuse for why they couldn't meet. Dee Dee kept Rod out of Gypsy's life because she wanted to maintain control, and she didn't want anyone finding out that Gypsy was perfectly healthy. 
As Caitlin read this article, she recalled that Dee Dee always told her that Rod wasn't in the picture and that Dee Dee was the only one that cared for Gypsy and that she didn't have anyone else. That's kind of where it turned for me because she would tell us that nobody was in the picture. And I was like, wait a minute, the mom was lying. That's when I was going into criminology and I was like, man, I like this whole time she could walk. Is that probably why her mom was touching her the whole time? Where if she tried to argue with her, she would just kind of like clench her teeth and like look at her. And that's where I was like, I was so dumb. The poor Gypsy, for all we know, she was trying to reach out to us to see just like everybody else. And the whole system failed her. Caitlin's criminology classes started discussing Gypsy's case. They debated what should happen to her. Should she be found guilty or innocent? Should she go to a psychiatric hospital? Would the lifetime of abuse that Gypsy suffered at the hands of her mother be enough to tug on the heartstrings of jurors? Jurors who had the power to show Gypsy mercy. And what about Nick, the man who physically committed this crime? What should happen to him? I was one of the very few that thought she should have went to, whether it had been a psych ward or a couple years in jail. I was one of the very few that was against her going to a life sentence or like the murder charge. Because I, I saw a victim who didn't know what to do because her whole life, she doesn't, she doesn't know like that she could contact the police. You know, like she doesn't know that she could contact her dad because she thought her dad was out of the picture. Caitlin's classes continued following the case as it unfolded until school ended for summer break. But that didn't stop Caitlin from continuing to follow the case on her own. On July 5th, 2016, she found out there was breaking news. Gypsy had pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in exchange for a 10-year sentence, which is pretty light considering what happened. The prosecution had agreed to the deal because it was a good way to hold Gypsy accountable for her actions— while still considering the mitigating circumstances of her lifetime of abuse. We asked Caitlin what she thought about Gypsy's sentence. I think she should have, if anything, served like maybe two, three years in a ward, like a psych ward, or in a, a place to where she can learn how to be an adult because she was in a prison her whole life. I just think that if she would have had the chance to go not necessarily a psych ward, but where she can go and learn things and to be a human and to her taxes, jobs, this, that. I think that's kind of what she deserved on just my opinion. I just don't think she deserved the sentence she got because her mom was just horrible to her. Years later, on November 13th, 2018, Nick's trial finally began. Gypsy did not have to testify as part of her deal, but she chose to anyways. She told the jury that she wanted to be free of Dee Dee's hold on her, and Gypsy admitted that she had planned the murder and talked Nick into it. After four days of trial, Nick was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life without parole. It's hard because he did commit it, and I know it's horrible to say because also Gypsy did the same, but I feel like what trauma she had. And I know they said that he may have been autistic or he had some mental issues as well. I feel like he 
could have been the reason to where they had a taxi or they had something sitting outside to where he could have just been like, get in the car, like, let's get the heck out of here. I do think that life without parole was probably the best sentence because I think a lot of people wanted him to go do the death penalty as well. That was a huge thing on the news where people were up in arms how he should have gone to the death penalty. A lot of the friends were like, he should have gone to the death penalty. So I think that was probably a fair charge for him. What do you guys think of their sentences? What I think is that you can't really compare the two because when you look at why Gypsy did it, Gypsy had these circumstances which drove her to it. Dee Dee could have been someone who never abused anyone in her life. She could have been someone completely innocent. And and Nick was convinced to do this to a stranger. You know, mm-hmm. so I think there's this emotional, there are these emotional implications with Gypsy and you know, her brain was just like in survival mode, but this guy could have done this to anyone, literally anyone who's never hurt anybody. Right. Because he didn't know them from a hole in the wall. So I think that's probably where, how that's all justified. Well, and with Gypsy, I mean, her situation is just so fucking complicated. Very. She was abused for basically her entire life. So it's like how that's, it's very hard to say if something really is justified or not. Well, and every time she had a procedure she didn't need, that is an assault, you know, like removing glands from your body because your mom's manipulating doctors and keeping you sick. I mean, it's like it's really twisted, awful stuff. Yeah. And I think when it came down to it, when you're looking at a jury, there's no way a jury is going to throw the book at her, um, especially because she didn't actually physically do it um, because she was based. She was a hostage, you know, in in her own skin. Today, Nick and Gypsy no longer talk to each other. Nick feels that Gypsy abandoned and betrayed him, while Gypsy feels that Nick was controlling just like her mom. Gypsy has made a lot of progress in prison. She got her GED. She switched to regular glasses. She stopped taking medication. She's gained some weight, and she grew out her hair. She told ABC News, quote, The prison that I was living in before with my mom, it's like I couldn't walk. I couldn't eat. I couldn't have friends. I couldn't go outside, you know, and play with friends or anything. Over here, I feel like I'm freer in prison than with living with my mom, because now I'm allowed to just live like a normal woman, which is pretty fascinating. I, I, I've never, ever heard anybody say that about prison. That's sad. Well, not only that, it's so interesting to hear her contrasting statement. I couldn't go outside and play with my friends. She's probably 26 you know, what I mean? she's in her 20s now. When's the last yeah. time any of us said we went outside to play with our friends? You know, well, she never got to play with a fucking friend her entire life. But she's still living in this divide. Like she doesn't yeah. even know her, her, you know, like emotion, her social ability and her emotional intelligence hasn't caught up to her real age. Stunted. Yeah. And Gypsy is currently engaged to a man she met through the prison pen pal system. She's eligible for parole at the end of 2023, which is soon. When she's 32 years old. So her life really, I mean, again, polarizing case. Some of you probably think she deserved first degree murder. Some don't. But she still has her whole life ahead of her if she gets out soon, which she probably will. She only got 10 years. When she's released, Gypsy hopes to start a normal life with her fiance. And she wants to help people who have been affected by Munchausen by proxy as well. And we asked Caitlin if she had any hopes for Gypsy when she's released. I hope she gets a chance to live. And I would say, like, I just wish her nothing but the best. And I know that obviously Dee Dee lost her life, but I hope that Gypsy can start to live hers 
um, whether or not it be on probation or to where she gets to at least go to school and, and have human interaction as herself. I would love to see her up and walking like out in the world today. Escapism is defined by the tendency to seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities, especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasy, a lot like what Gypsy did. And we all engage in escapism to a degree as a way to relieve ourselves from the tribulations of life. Just a little advice, remember to stay grounded in reality because fantasies aren't always what they're cracked up to be. A huge thank you to Caitlin for being our first degree guest today. If you are listening and you have a story to tell, please email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group by searching the first degree up in the search bar. We are talking true crime all the time and come back tomorrow because we're going to have a brand new episode of Killing Time right in your feed. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But, but not, not that close. close. Do a Happy crouch your favorite day. Crouch day. Happy crouch day. Shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring original music for The First Degree, producing by Caitlin Cleveland, writing by Haley Gray. Sources for this episode are HBO, Rolling Stone, People, Investigation Discovery, Fox 2 Now, Harper's Bazaar, E! Online, BuzzFeed, Oxygen, Court Documents, and as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.